0: Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Proud had mentioned the picnic, the celebration picnic last Sunday. And I do want to say thank you. That was incredible. You know, I was talking to leadership this week, and and a year ago, when we moved in, you know, there really was no way, absolutely no way anyone uh, had any idea what would happen a year later, and we really celebrate it as a testimony to God in, in what happened last Sunday, not just numerically, but the joy and the love, and really what we looked at in Ephesians 4, the unity, the unity, right, and, and we're, we started looking at this uh, verse last Sunday, and we're going to continue on in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. We're going to read verses uh, 1 through 6 in Ephesians 4. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church, right? And who is the church? Uh. Us, right? I've shared with you before the, the little hand, the hand uh, learning tool, right? That we kind of modify around here, right? So everyone do this really quick, right? Fingers like this. And, and we say, around here, we said this for years, right? Katie, you remember anything you might have you, right? Here's a building, right? Say, so here's a building. Here. With or without a steeple. Right? Open the doors. The church is the right the church will find yourself in there and say hello, right? You're you're in there. So so here's a building with or without a steeple, so you can put one under if right? Whatever. Open the doors, the church is the people. Well if the church is the people, meaning everyone do this. You're a believer, right? We saw last we that if you're part of the church, the church universal, and then the church local, you call this your church home. You got a responsibility There's some responsibilities you have, right? Uh, I grew up going to church in the, in the Roman Catholic Church, and and I grew up sort of with the mentality of going to church religiously. Don't miss it, right? And there happens to be, you know, I grew up in San Diego, so we were we were you don't miss mass. Right, and if the Chargers happen to be playing at 10 a.m., you go Saturday night to Mass. <laughs> you don't miss Mass. You go some point, even if you finagle it for the football schedule during that season. Right, but you don't miss. But what I developed in that tradition was I go to church religiously, and then as soon as church is done, I get back to my life. Right, so you go to church, then you leave church, and now it's Six days plus of the rest of the week. is just my time. Until I go back to church. And not only that, not only was church just a place I go to and then I leave and get back to real life, my life, me as the boss. When I was at church, the, the thing that I learned was, well, it's all the guys up front that do everything. And we're just spectators. We're just spectators. So church was a place I went to, and then I left. And then church was a place, while I was there, I just watched. And every once in a while, I did something, but very minimal. Very minimal. Uh, but we were there. And that was kind of the extent of my understanding of churchdom, was go to church, leave church, and while you're there, sit in rows, try to, you know, my, my. I remember growing up, sitting in the pews, and my mom would bring all the little things to keep us quiet. <laughs> Gone, coloring books, Right? So just don't, just sit there passively. Don't be a disturbance to anyone around you. Don't annoy anyone around you. And then when when it's done, you just leave. Right? See you next week. See you next week. See you next week. And that was the cycle. Come to know the Lord. Go to a different style of church. And suddenly I'm confronted with no, wait, wait, you're the church. What? You never stop. Church doesn't stop. Because you are the church. All the time. And then when you're here, in a local assembly, that's where the word church comes, ecclesia, which was a local gathering. And if there was a town, and they needed to gather the people to take care of business in the village, they would ring the bell. Everyone would gather to talk business, church, village, business. That was ecclesia. It was a gathering. That's that's where we get the word. It's a gathering. In our context, it's a gathering of believers, redeemed. But when you're here, if you're part of the church, it's not a spectator's work We're not here an Armchair quarterback You're in You're in And if you're in These verses give us Some really concrete Practical steps Of how this thing is supposed to work How this thing is supposed to work So Ephesians 4 verses 1-6 through 6, He says this As a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life Worthy of the calling you have received Be completely humble and gentle be patient, bearing with one another in love. We talked about these over the last several weeks, right? Verse three. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all, and also in all. verses four through six, what word seems to be repeating itself? One, one. This oneness, this unity, right? The unity of the spirit. He's talking about positional unity, the church, the church. When you put your faith in Christ, where we saw last week, First Corinthians 12 says this: Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its part, but all its many parts form one body. So is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Galatians 3 says that So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's a unity, a positional unity. When you put your faith in Jesus, immediately, immediately, you are baptized, immersed into, placed into, positioning the body of Christ, the church. And then he says, what he's saying in verse 3, right? Make every effort to keep the unity of the church. Make every effort, right? How many of you find that over time, your house tends to go into disarray. (laughs) The unity, the harmony, the oneness of your home. What is that, the second law of thermodynamics, right? Things tend to go from order to disorder. Anyone's kitchen? Anyone's bedroom? Anyone's car? Right? So what he's saying here is, hey, second law of thermodynamics here, if you're not careful, The unity of the church, left untended, if you don't make every effort, if you don't exercise maximum effort, if you're not diligent to maintain it, it can go from order to disorder. How fast? That fast. That fast. A church can go from unity, from a celebration, barbecue, picnic, to like, where'd everybody go? (laughs) Where's everybody? Well, you know... Day after the picnic. We're gonna look at that. So it's important that you understand if you're part of the church, he's speaking to the church, not to the pastor. This is he's speaking to every believer. Make every effort, exert maximum effort, zealous diligence to maintain, keep the unity of the spirit, the harmony, the accord of the church. That is everybody in here. If you're a believer, it is your responsibility. It is your responsibility, and it's a responsibility. The same exact one that was given to these believers. Think about it. There's a continuum. He's speaking to believers in Ephesus way long ago. And he says, hey, believers in Ephesus, do everything you can to maintain the unity of the church. Fast forward to 2018. He's saying the exact same thing to us. This is way bigger than us. This is the church. And every believer in the timeline of the planet has had the same responsibility. To maintain, be diligent, be zealous. To keep the unity of the church every believer's responsibility from the time he instituted from the time he instituted it's very similar in the Bible and the New Testament sometimes you hear the word together they were together, they were one accord, one mind it's very similar thought to that uh, 1 Peter 3.8 New Living says finally all of you should be of one mind Sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. It's also similar to koinonia. You saw the National Spelling Bee. Thank you, Olivia. Remember that, right? National Spelling Bee. What was the winning word? Koinonia. That was the winning word. Koinonia, which means fellowship, right? Acts two forty-two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, which means sharing everything in common, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, right? So the Bible speaks of believers, of the church having unity, being of one mind, being of one accord, right? How many of you like when your house is in peace and harmony, right? How many of you know that that takes work, right? It just takes work. You have to be be on top of it. And here's the thing as we move forward. It's very important you get this unity, the unity he's talking about is a unity of the Spirit that is maintained by the Spirit as we walk in the Spirit, okay? It's a thing of the Spirit, not the flesh. It's very important. We're not talking about uniformity. We're talking about the differences between what is biblical unity. Sometimes you think, oh, unity! Oh, you guys just, oh, we just got all toe the line. It's just compliance hereafter, after, Right? It's just compliance. Just you're, you're, you're oh yeah, then then they throw out the legalistic word and they throw right? No. Unity is not uniformity. Okay? Uniformity tends to be external behavior and pressure from the outside. That's not what we're about here. Track where they have that opposite. Unity is of the Spirit as a believer walks in the Spirit, surrendered to the Spirit. Unity is a fruit of of a believing church walking in the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit is manifested through the Spirit. But, it's very important. The way that it's written in the verse, it's present tense, which means it's continual. It's continual. How many of you as parents, it kind of pains you when your kids are out of accord and harmony? Anyone have that? Right? Right? You're like, God, can't we just get along? Things were so good. Right? You ever have a parent where you had a good day with the kids and things like that and then one day happens and you're like oh, you know? There's there's this unity that is is not external compliance. It's like I just want them how I many of you just want your kids want, always said you know I want my kids to just love each other. Not perfect but can we just love each other? Can we just right? And a deep core unifying love. Not that they're not perfect. Not that they're You know, perfect or don't step on toes, all that happens in life. But unity at the heart level, unity at the one accord, one mind level is what we're talking about. But that takes diligence. That takes effort. Right? Why? Because we're human. Amen? Amen? Right? We're we're human. And, And I love this last week we looked at this quote by a gentleman named Barnes, his commentary he says, There is always danger of discord where men are brought together in one society. There are so many different tastes and habits. There is such a variety of intellect and feeling. The modes of education have been so varied, and the temperament may be so different that there is constant danger of division. Right? Think of how hard it is in your marriage. Anyone ever tell you marriage takes work? There's only two of you. then you have one kid, two kids, however many kids, and you're like, Whoo! Just the unity, the harmony, the oneness, it takes effort, it's exhausting. Right? You have to kind of always be there, right? And then on top of that, the early church you talk about throwing in false teachers. Then you talk about persecution. Right? People, it's all about me. Self-centeredness, the sin nature. Then you talk about people... In the church on the whole range of spiritual maturity, from brand new believers trying to figure it out to those and everything in between, and then you get this, and it's very important. People attend churches regularly, may even serve, may, and they may not even be born again. So you put all that in the mix, and then he says, hey, make every yeah. effort to be unified. Yeah, you're like, whoa, thick of my- I'm looking at all of you. <laughs> when we were in a living room with 12, that was that was plenty. Go to Saturday nights, you know, 30-ish, that was plenty. Go to Sunday mornings, 50, 60, 70, that was plenty. We move here a year later, we're at 150. <gasps> and we just happen to be talking about unity. And I love that timing. Because last Sunday for me was such a wee moment as a church such a, a beautiful we I think you understood, you get it if God's calling you here to be a part of this local church family, awesome but understand, we carries with it some responsibilities as we move forward right? First Corinthians 1, 10, I love the Bible because it's so honest, the early church was kind of a mess Paul founded the Corinthian church in his second missionary journey. And and one comment says, 18 months later, after the Apostle Paul founds this church, look what's happening in this church. 18 months later after his birth. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say. And that there be no divisions among you. so that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Right? Eighteen months later, the Apostle Paul found this church, and now there's a division. Because everyone has turned their eyes off of the we, off of Christ, and now it's on to me. And now there's divisions. And now, you know, I really like Bill's Tuesday night. <laughs> no, I really like Tyler around here. Mark? Not so much. You know, that's like, you know. get <laughs> There's the baby now. We're quarreling. But it can happen that fast. It can happen that fast. Why? Because in the American church, we have become what they call seeker, and I understand it to a degree. But what we the American church kind of went way over here and said, hey! Come, because we're going to meet your every need. We're, we've got the best music, we've got the best kids program, we got the best. Just come, right? We call it, in, in, in our world, we call it the m- church mentality. Just come, all you church, just come, and we're going to meet all your needs. All your needs, because it's all about you. And the American church has become very me-centered, self-centered, feed me, feed me, feed me, that as soon as your needs aren't met, peace out. Uh-huh. As soon as the humanness, as soon as you know you get past the romance stage of, of visiting, and someone around here takes your seat, <laughs> someone around here doesn't say hi. Someone around here says something mean to you, someone around here does anything in the human context, I knew it. That church full of hypocrites. So clicky. So this, so that. Right? And and, and if we're not careful, the, the American church has really gone to the other end of this. Rather than saying we, it's about me. Right? Around here you say, I, I've said before, in your view of church, are you a getter or a giver? Are you a getter or a giver? What I mean by that is, when you think about coming to church, is it, I hope I get a good sermon. I hope I get good worship. I hope I get that chocolate donut that they have oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> I hope I get some good friends. I hope my kids get good children's ministry. Is your view of church what you get? Or, did you wake up this morning and say, Lord... I'm part of the church. I want to be a giver today. I want to give encouragement. I want to give an ear to somebody today. I want to give prayer to somebody. I want to give you worship today. I want to, when in my time here, however you're you're here, from pre-service to service to post-service, I want to give today. I want to be a giver. And I'm not talking official service. I'm just talking who you are right around you. I want to give You know, we've been here long enough that some of you have your camps, and that's cool. I always love when new people take someone's seat. That's the best view from here. Because new visitors, welcome new visitors, you're early. And the regulars time it. They time it to about 10, now 10.01. And I love the visitors because they're here like at 9.50. And they're sitting in your seat and I make the rounds and I just laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see this when they go. <laughs> right? Because I gotta get my seat. I gotta get my chair. I gotta get mine. I gotta get mine. What if, what would happen, and it's already happening here, I'm not saying it's not happening here. What if continually, every morning, every Sunday morning, collectively we said, Lord, I want to be a giver today? What would happen to this church? I want to give today. It might be in service in some capacity, but it might just be who you are. I want to give today. I want to give encouragement. I want to give a hello. I want to give a, good to see you. Right? And so we, we have to be very careful. We spent times, like Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble. or be a good cheer, right? Well, I like that application to the church. In the church, you will have trouble. Right? Sometimes we have this idealized view of church. And it's, it's just not true. Because the church is made up of who? Don't say me. <laughs> right? And we have this idealized view, and then all of a sudden we're real critical, and we are stand off, and we're just waiting for the church to mess up. And you forget, wait, but you're in it. <laughs> of course it's going to mess up. Of course it's going to be messy and dirty And you're going to get your toe That's life, amen It's just life There's a quote I came across uh, From Scott Peck in The Road Less Travel He starts his book, if you read it, Life is Difficult But then he goes on to say this Once we truly know that life is difficult Once we truly understand and accept it Then life is no longer difficult Because once it is accepted The fact that life is difficult No longer matters you get what he's saying there? If you accept the fact that life is difficult, you stop you stop wrestling with the difficulties. You accept that life is difficult, so now I'm going to move on to problem solving. Now I'm going to move on to solution. I'm not going to be stuck in, oh, why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard? No, it just is. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulations. Even Jesus said, you will have tribulations. Now bring that into the church. For real reality shock. Church is difficult. Amen? In the church, you will have trouble. You just will. Because the church is made of a who? People like? So turn to the person next to you and say, I'm sorry in advance. Right? But if we can just be honest, And we can acknowledge our humanity, our imperfections, that we're all in transformation as a church. Isn't there freedom in that? Isn't there freedom in that? It's not excusing sin. There's no way. But it's acknowledging transformation and sanctification. That we're all in the process. In fact, if you were with me a couple years ago, we spent a year talking about transformation and going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Right? Go ahead, Isaac. Right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about transformation, which is metamorphosis. So, as a believer, right, you come to faith in Jesus, and it's a process not to become a better version of yourself. It's a process to become more like Jesus. Right? We're all in transformation. We're all in various stages of it. And if you're here, and I'm here, and there, and I had a bad day, and you're struggling with health and finances, and we collectively get together, you better accept... The reality that it's a recipe for disaster. Now on Sundays, it's all good and fine. <laughs> <laughs> How are ya? Hi. How was your week? Yes, nice, no! Sunday is good and fine. But the good and finders, the church of the good and Finders, Right? Let's just feel it all back. Let's just be real. We're all in transformation. Jesus, it was Jesus' idea to create a church. And you think, we had it tough? He he collided Jews and Gentiles. (laughs) Think of that first service. Pretty much sure it was one side here and one side there. And it took a while for them to cross the aisle. Think about that hostility. Think about that cultural division that had to be overcome in the Spirit, in Christ, right? It's always existed. There is no perfect church. And I've told you again and again, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? (laughs) You will mess it up. (laughs) Right? And and I've shared this illustration with you before, right? I love this. And I finally went and got me one. I went and got one. And it came yesterday, and I thought of all of you. I thought of all of you when I got this yesterday, last night. Because in this, I would put up the first one. There were a bunch of rocks. Rough rocks, right out of the desert. Look at sharp edges. Sharp edges, dirty, dusty, right? And they all went in here. And on top of that, it comes with a package called grit. <laughs> Coarse grit. Black, thick sand that you put in here. Mm-hmm. Right? Now we all know what the goal is. Eileen, what's the goal? Ooh. <laughs> Remember, Ooh. Okay? Right? So put them both up, by. Right? right? So so that's what they look like in there right now. We all see where they're gonna be, right? But here's, here's the challenge, guys. Not very happy right now. <laughs> if we could interview them, how many would put their hand up and say, Can I get off this ride? <laughs> right? They're not happy. But look everyone and go, ooh. And somewhere on the outside, like, it's gonna be so good. I can't wait to see you. And they're in there right now. And some of them might be saying, like, you know, that same rock keeps coming around. <laughs> that one rock is just bugging the heck out of me. That one rock. But we see the end. This is the church. Welcome to, you thought it was the well, it's the rock tunnel. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, You're welcome. (laughs) This is it. I don't know how else to tell you. This is the church. God is using you and me in all of our humanness and rough edges and sharpness and dirtiness and wherever we are to refine each other. And some of us are not liking it. And will not like it. And many, unfortunately, have bailed on the church. They just don't like, they just can't deal with it. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's hurtful. We let you down. We don't meet your expectations. And so literally, you get off. And you, and you, you're like, now, I'm done. And, You go alone. But that's not the way you were called. That's not what we were called to do. We were baptized into the body. His idea. And you're like, but that's impossible. How, as a human, am I supposed to hang in there during this refining process? If you're saying that's impossible, amen. Because it is. You're supposed to get to that place as a believer and say, it's all impossible. I need you. In the power of the Spirit. That's what makes it possible. Not you, not me, surrendered walking in the Holy Spirit is what makes this at all possible. And why is that important, right? In John 17, Jesus is praying to His Father about the church, about believers. Look what He says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in Me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as You are in Me and I am in You, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that You have sent me. I have given them the glory that You gave me, That they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What is he saying here? He's saying, look, through the unity of the church, the world will know this gotta be supernatural. The fact that this diverse group of people from Ohio who, quite honestly, may never hang out socially, and except for this, you wouldn't even know each other, because you know, in Ohio, it's small from where I come from, but it's still big enough for you to run in your own pockets, your own circles, have your own economic, racial, social circles, never have to interact. The fact that we get put in the church together and get along in unity, even for this valley, is a testimony to God, amen? You gotta remember, the church is not supernatural. It's a spiritual entity created by God, maintained by God. And as we do our part, it gives God the glory. That's the testimony, guys. You're like, I wanna be used by God, I wanna be used by God. You wanna be used by God? Right here. Maintain the unity of the spirit. Because there are people that come here, and they watch you, and they listen to you as you're sitting there. People who may have never been to church, they come to church and they're around all these Christians and they sit. And you may not even know them on a Sunday. And here's the crazy thing. They're sitting in front of you. <laughs> listening. To you. So just turn around to the person behind you and go, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> what? Now everyone is all freaked out. Oh my gosh, what was I saying this morning? Oh my gosh, right? Oh my gosh, what are the people around me here? How does that happen? Because we come in here and we're tunnel vision. This is our society, we're tunnel vision. And we come to even in a group setting like this and we sit in our chair and we have these conversations and we forget everyone around us can hear. And if they're, if they're checking out church and wanting to know if this is legit and what, what, is, what is this Christian thing, believe me, it's you, five, ten minutes before anything happens up here. That is the testimony. You, not us. Your interactions, Do you love them, are you welcoming, you, all of that. Life, real life stuff. They don't come in with the church, pre-packaged church, No, they're just coming in. They were invited. Let's check this out. Well, you have them five minutes before me. <laughs> right? It's a testimony to the supernatural working of God today in 2018 that the church gets, gets along. That the church is united. Right? A few things about biblical unity. We're going to camp here for a little bit. Very important that we understand that unity, A, is not uniformity. It's not just compliance. This is how we do it at the well. Right? Now, you can have unity and diversity. Right? Because here we focus on heart. Heart issues. The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it flow all the areas of life. First and foremost, unity here is based on your heart condition. Right? God is a God of order, so we believe in order. Right? We believe in all of that. But there's diversity here, right? You got Mark, are you wearing shorts today? Mark's wearing shorts. got a little over here, right? <laughs> me. Right? We 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 tend not to get kind of caught up in this external, and and, and all of us, <laughs> and go, we're so unified. <laughs> no, you're compliance. That's external. We're not the spiritual po po around here. Okay, that doesn't mean there's not discipline. That doesn't mean we don't confront issues when necessary, when there's division, messed up teaching. We'll confront it head on, but we'll confront it at the heart and truth issue. At starting at the heart and truth. Okay? Well, that, that's where we're gonna come from. That's where we come from. Because unity is based on truth. It's gotta be. Our source of unity is truth, right? Jesus says, your word, sanctify them by the word, your word is truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, right? The church, Timothy, is called the pillar and foundation of truth. And Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and all. Unity, for it to be true biblical unity, begins at the truth level. Being, quote unquote, unified or gathering around eric that's real dangerous. So unity is about truth. Truth in Jesus... And truth in God's word. Amen? Amen. Those are the pillars. We believe this is God's word. We believe it's truth. We believe it's the authority for our life as believers. In fact, it's the fundamental of fundamentals. Because where do we know who Jesus is? The Bible. How do we know that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works? This is the foundation. Everything we know about following Jesus comes from the fundamental of fundamentals. Scriptural truth. Right? So here's how it works around here in terms of like us as leadership dealing with unity and division, In counseling, whatever. We'll say, hey, let's talk. And our first and foremost concern is, where's your heart with Jesus? Where are you with Jesus? And willingness to submit and walk in obedience. That's the crux of everything. Marital issues, parent-child issues, financial issues, hard-hearted issues, bitterness, all of it. It goes back to where's your heart with Jesus and are you willing to submit to the Word of God? Right? That's kind of where we start, where we have to start. I shared before in Luke 22, right? Jesus says this is the new covenant in my blood. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're in a covenant relationship. Two key words most important kind of distinction that we've shared before. Covenant, right? Go ahead, Eileen, put that up. There's one word for covenant called sunbeki, which is like a negotiated peace treaty between equals. We bargain, we negotiate, we come to a covenant agreement. That's a sunbeki. diatheki is what Jesus says. When you come to Jesus and you enter the New Covenant, it is a diathiki relationship which is greater the lesser, Like a conquering king to the conquered, The greater sets the terms. The lesser can either accept or reject it. No negotiation. When Jesus says this is the new covenant in my blood, he's talking diathlete. Who set the term for salvation biblically? The greater. God. You are saved by grace through faith, not by works lest anyone should boast. Tell me amen that. Okay, do you see the greater and the lesser? The greater is setting the terms for salvation. It's by grace through faith, not by works. The greater just sets the terms. We can either accept or reject it. It's not open for negotiation. Right? The crazy thing is, who reaps all the benefits? The lesser! Isn't that crazy? The greater sets the terms, and we're like, Oh, I don't like that! Except for the fact that he's good, and all the time... So, the greater is good all the time, desiring our good all the time. He sets the terms for who's good? Uh, Ours! But the flesh rears up. Forgive. Because I have forgiven. Can uh-huh. <laughs> you negotiate that one, God? Because that person really forks me. Greater to the lesser. See, a lot, our sanctification process the rock tumbler, the butterfly. In this sanctification process, oftentimes he's just revealing those areas where we're struggling with diabetes. That's all that's happening. Scripture comes along and says, "Forgive as I have forgiven you," and you're wrestling with someone, and they have hurt you, they've wounded you, and everything in your flesh says, "I don't want to forgive them." "Forgive as I have forgiven you." What's going on? You're struggling with diabetes. You're struggling with the flesh. You want to negotiate. You want to tear up the contract. That's all that's happening in your sanctification my sanctification. Often he's bringing up these issues, and he's like, here's what I say. For your good, because I love you. And it's a struggle of submission. It's a struggle of surrender. It's a struggle of, I can't. It's a struggle of, I won't. That's what's going on, right? That's why unity, okay, unity in the church, as shepherds, our role is to not just Create the fear of God into you to compliance. No. It's to get you to love Jesus. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey. obey me. See, we tend to flip that like it's a big, if you love me, thou shalt obey me as a command. Jesus says, if you love me, the fruit of loving me will be obedience. obedience. It's a fruit, obedience. Loving Jesus has the fruit of obedience. Don't flip that. So we want you to love Jesus. Because the more you love Jesus, the more you're going to be surrendered, the more you're going to trust Him, and the more you're going to walk in obedience. Now, everyone in here is walking in obedience to Jesus, what do you think happens with unity? It takes care of itself. Right? It's like if you all had pianos. Let's assume everyone, right? 150 plus pianos in here. And I said, okay, everyone, tune to that. Everyone here Oh, some of you are already like You're like oh, okay Oh, we're going to do it vocally? Okay So to the person next to say I'm sorry for about that I'm about to I'm Apologize for what you're about to experience Okay <laughs> Alright <laughs> I wish you could all see your face <laughs> It's so You want so hard to get it, but you're afraid the person next to you, right? (laughs) That's the church! All of you are trying hard to tune to one note. Some better than others. (laughs) Isn't that what we're supposed to be? All tuned to Jesus. Just tune yourself to Jesus. Be committed to Jesus. But we get caught up in what do you sound like? And I don't sound as good as her. And, I, and we get caught up in the human level. And then the devil launches a grenade. <laughs> and we just got all focused. When the, the unity just comes from each of us in a diatheaky relationship, following Jesus and desiring to all tune to the same. Savior. Amen? <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. So the application, if we're going to be a unified church moving forward... Whatever that means, if we keep growing, if we have to go to two services, I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is we're called to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. All I know is that's rooted in us walking with Jesus, being committed to the truth, and yielded to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Amen. One practical way for us to do that, real practical before we wrap up, right? Actually, a couple. Ephesians 4.16, from Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We talked about this. As each part. So first step, you're part of this church. If God's calling you here, amen, we'd love to get to know you. But you've got to realize God's gifted you and He's called you to use your gift. For the sake of everybody. It's not spectator sport. you got to get in. And sometimes getting in is scary and you're like, what if I mess up? I don't know how to do this. you got to jump in. you got to jump in. I love this quote by Teddy Roosevelt. It says this. Who spends himself in a worthy cause. Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I love that for the church. You know what my heart is for us? We're going to dare greatly for Jesus. We're going to be a church that dares greatly. We want two. We thought one house. Now it's two houses. We're daring greatly. Forty people. Okay. Never done that before. Woo! I'm scared to death. Okay. <laughs> I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm getting dirty in the kingdom for Jesus. The church is full of critics, naysayers, armchair quarterbacks. So oh, they should do this and they should. Why doesn't anyone do this? Why doesn't anyone do that? No, no, no. no jump in. <laughs> jump in. I do not know where in American church, to, maybe it's across the world, but I just do not understand why prayer team. Children's ministry and cleaning Has been relegated to the females Mm. I don't understand Can I get an amen Amen. (laughs) I don't understand that Enough said (laughs) Plenty of opportunity around here Step out Be scared for Jesus Be scared. I was there when my kids were growing up. I had to take my turn in children's. I had no clue. I had no clue. Went over and built Legos for an hour. That's all I did. It's that simple. you got to roll your sleeves in the church. you got to get dirty. Get in the arena. Dare greatly. Dare greatly. It's just time. Not time for us. It's time for this community that needs you. It's just time. It's dare greatly. Dare greatly, right? So that's one application of doing your part. Next part, words. Psalm 141.3. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit them. That word unwholesome, word picture, rotten fruit. Worthless, bad, smelly, do not let anything come out of your mouth that's like rotten fruit. But only, look at it, only what is helpful for building others up. Now in the past we've joked about these surveys about numbers of words per minute, per, per day for men and women, right? We laughed, you know, about the disparity supposedly between number of words. What would happen to our word count if we only spoke things that were helpful for building others up? I don't have anything to say. Well. <laughs> and I'm not talking verbally. These days, I'm talking social media. I'm going to send that post. Boom. I'm going to comment on that. Boom. Was that helpful? I don't know. We live in a culture now that is just based on opinion. Here's my opinion. Here's my opinion. Don't want We're launching grenades all over the place. Is that helpful? I don't know, but it's my opinion. Scripture says, don't let any unwholesome talk about it, but only, and we say only, only. <laughs> right? 20 plus years ago, I was in a church getting plugged in at the beginning of this illustration It stuck with me for all these years, I still use it. In church, we all carry two buckets. <laughs> it could happen for work and in your family as well. And the situation happens you hear something. Someone says something to you about something. Mm-hmm. And now you have a choice. Because what comes out of your mouth can you either be a bucket of gas that can fuel that thing, or can you get a bucket of water and squash it? Everybody in the church, you carry two buckets. Here, at home, in every friendship, which one are you going to use? It's a choice. It's simply a choice. Simply a choice. Right? So do your part. Get in the mix. Keep the unity by guarding your words. Right? Then ultimately comes back to Jesus. Just comes back to Jesus. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow Jesus' example. He humbled himself. He emptied himself all the way to work cross. The cross. So if we're all tuned to Jesus, if we're all focused on what he did for you and I when we didn't deserve it, amen? Right? When we didn't deserve it, when we were at our worst, God demonstrates his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, right? Then who am I really to get bent at another believer? (coughs) I can't believe that. Something with you. We will, I believe, understand what we're talking about in unity. It's going to take courage. It's going to take courage and it's going to take the Holy Spirit supernatural. I have been in uh, ministry of 28, 29 years, committed to the truth, committed to Jesus. And uh, on my side of this microphone, I have seen the church at its best and at its worst there have been times when I' don't have nothing to do with it. I've had I received wonderful cards of so thanks and, and I have uh, had people say wonderful things but I have also had people say things very unkind and hurtful to me and about me even this week and then you sometimes wonder why am I do everyone, you know, his children's gonna be bad because we went over again <laughs> you know, all of that. Because I'm just as human as you. And so I just want to share that kind of kinda from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you got a list about how bad the church can be, mine probably triples yours. Because I've seen it from this side of things. And I've experienced it in my family and, and when my kids were little. Things happen in the church that affected all of us. And the only thing I can say at times is, Lord, okay, I yield and I trust you. And I submit. So I I'm going to follow you. I'm going to committed to you and I'm going to follow. I've got to trust this. I've served point you to trust this. And so I have, I have wagered my eternity. I've wagered how I've raised my kids. I've put my marriage. Everything in my life is on this book. I'm following Jesus. Good, bad, and lovely. So, I love the church. Works in all. Of them. It's my calling. Um, it was a decision not to make. And I just share that. I just want to share that with you. It's where I come from. I'm not going to sell you a bill of goods. I come to the well and it's all peaches. and. Um, we're real around here. We'll celebrate together and then we're going to grieve together. Amen? Because it's about grief. We're just coming to church.